When an opportunity presents itself, if you are not present enough to recognize the opportunity, it will pass you by. Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. Welcome to another episode of Franchise You. And with me today, I have Jackie Bondanza. And Jackie is the CEO of Houndstown USA. So we'll talk about that in a moment. But first, let's learn a little bit about Jackie. So Jackie, you are a journalist and publishing industry professional in corporate America. And one of the things I read about you is that you had a five plus hour commute into New York um, when you first discovered Houndstown USA as a customer. And the grueling schedule of corporate America was wearing on you personally and professionally. So you found Houndstown USA through a Google search, which I love because it just proves that Google searches work. And you met Mike, the mayor, who is the founder of Houndstown USA. And he said, bring your dogs in and all will be okay, which was a pivotal moment for you. So I'm going to stop right there and ask you to talk to us about that pivotal moment. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. Excited to share with you and your audience about Houndstown and my journey, which was an unconventional one, like you mentioned. Um, Yes. So my professional training was in uh, journalism. I got a master's degree in journalism and thought I was going to have this amazing career in publishing and certainly uh, had a good 10 year run. And uh, yes, then one day, I walked into a Houndstown location as a customer with my two dogs. I had just moved pretty far out on Long Island, which is had about, you know, a two hour commute each way on the train. Mm -hmm. And I was out of the house 60 hours a week and I had two dogs, didn't want to leave my dogs home alone. They had previously been to daycare. And so Googled doggy daycares near me one day and up comes Houndstown. So I made an appointment, walked in with my two dogs and immediately just, you know, fell in love with everything about the brand. And more importantly, I thought that the business model was so strong from a business perspective. Um, And I thought, you know, why isn't the founder franchising this? Has he thought about that? This just has such potential in the franchising space and the pet care space. Um, and I always uh, say that was the day I went down my Houndstown rabbit hole and I haven't come out since. So. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> it's is funny where life can take you. It totally is. So you first got started in with the brand with its charity. And that's when you realized it could be larger. So how did you then make that jump from corporate executive into an entrepreneur? I mean, those are huge different worlds, right? Very different worlds. I knew nothing about franchising when I asked Mike why he wasn't franchising. I just knew the general concept. Um, My two career paths couldn't have been more different, but you know, as Mike often says, you've got to have your antennas on in life. And when an opportunity presents itself, if you are not present enough to recognize the opportunity, it will pass you by. And when I pulled into that parking lot that day, I felt the opportunity and I was you know, really run down from working at my corporate job, you know, wasn't getting paid nearly enough. I was up at five in the morning, going to bed at 10 o'clock at night. It was just too difficult. And I I really didn't uh, see myself, you know, having a, a really successful career. Life shouldn't be that hard. So I, you know, my degree in journalism actually helped me 
make this significant career switch because I love to research. That was my, my trained profession. So I thought, well, no problem. I don't know anything about franchising, but I'm going to find out what it is. And I'm going to find out everything I need to know. I'm going to go talk to everybody in the industry I can get my hands on. And I'm just going to ask questions and make connections. And that is how I started to, you know, sort of transition from uh, my previous career to what I'm doing now. Wow. I mean, that is quite a jump, but you're right. Having a journalism background does make you curious and definitely drives that, that research. And so you also talk about, I've, I've listened to quite a few videos of yours, but you talk about finding something you're passionate about, passionate about, and the words you used are living your life in vibrant colors. Is that what the switch was like for you? It was, it sounds a little cheesy, but you know, Houndstown's colors are this like obnoxious green and blue. And uh, the the location I went to when I dropped my dogs off that first day, it was like painted this bright green and blue colors. And there's like all these things happening and there's lights on and it's just like a fun place. It's like Disneyland for dogs. So I always describe pulling into the parking lot and putting my car in park and walking into the facility that first time. Like I really do feel like that was the moment for me where I started to live my life in color. And, and previously I was really living in black and white. And it's just a nice metaphor for me because it was just a, such a pivotal point in my life, uh, both professionally and personally. And to me, the colors just represent that. Oh, I love that. You know, so many folks I talk to in franchising and from my own experience, having a passion for the business is almost the number one attribute to drive success. And you definitely found that. And I know Mike, the mayor, as they call him, why do they call him Mike, the mayor, the founder of Houndstown? (laughs) Well, because so Houndstown is a town for dogs. So our concept is you know, you walk into the facility and there's, uh, we have what we call Houndstown Boulevard. We have uh, a barber shop, a grooming shop, a theater. So it's sort of like, it's a town for dogs. So he, he is the self-appointed mayor of Houndstown. There were no elections held, but he's he's self-appointed mayor of the town. So how can you not love that? I mean, that is just amazing. So is each franchisee a mayor of their own Houndstown? I have to ask. You know, that's a good question. I don't know. We're just working on some brand evolution work now. And we were actually talking about that. What should franchisees, should the dogs be, you know, mayors or part of a cabinet or something? So just a lot of fun branding and marketing stuff that we can work with, with the theme. You can have fun with that. And you mentioned that it also changed your life personally. So, because you and Mike are now married. Yes. And work together on this wonderful brand. And so Mike has quite a background in working with dogs. Would you mind just talking about that for a moment since he's the founder? Sure, of course. Yeah. You know, we always say at Houndstown, we know a thing or two about dogs and none of our competitors are, I really don't think anyone else in the world can claim to have the knowledge that Mike has about dogs. So he was one of the founding members of the New York City Police Department's canine unit. And like he says, all that really means is you're old if you're the founding (laughs) member of something. (laughs) But uh, I started his career really early and went on the police force. It just happened to be about the same time that police departments were starting to think about using dogs in a law enforcement capacity to patrol the streets. And New York City and Philadelphia happened to be two of the first cities to incorporate that. So he got the opportunity to help build the Canine Academy for the police department. And that just really started this 40 plus year journey for him in really understanding dogs, getting in their heads, understanding how they see the world, 
What do they need to live you know, well-balanced lives? How do they acclimate to what is a very human world? And that knowledge informs everything we do at Houndstown, everything. Wow, that's incredible. I know I even saw a photo of him during 9-11 with a dog and that he had participated in helping with that effort. And that was really moving. Yeah, so just about eight months after he opened the first Houndstown location, the events of 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. And Mike had a private scent detection dog company with a partner of his. And so they were called down to ground zero to participate in the rescue efforts. So a grim experience for sure, but one that's actually really important in Houndstown's history because Mike describes seeing the dogs down there just get kind of tired and worn out. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people described it as depression, but in Mike's philosophy, dogs don't really have the capability to experience those more profound human emotions. But what he, what he did notice was that dogs really didn't have the opportunity to just kind of like go and relax and interact with one another and be themselves. Sort of the equivalent to us going to dinner with friends and having a glass of wine. So he, he went back to Houndstown and just kind of doubled down and he thought, you know, this is so important. Um, so, so that connection of 9-11 and Houndstown is, is actually really profound as well. It really is. Thank you for sharing that. Because um, let's talk about this pet industry that is just growing like crazy. And you give some great statistics on your website, but people spent $95.7 billion on their pets last year. of people consider pets their family, count me in, and the expected pet care industry value is expected to be 300 billion. So that is a viable business proposition. What do you all see for the future with Houndstown? It's been a really exciting few years. It's it's been an interesting few years. You know, getting through COVID was of course extremely challenging, but we were an essential business. So we were able to stay open since we're taking care of live animals. And, you know, our businesses certainly took a hit that first couple of months during COVID when nobody really knew what was happening. But uh, the long term game of this is that uh, COVID actually really helped accelerate just the growth of the pet industry in general and the growth of Houndstown. So we've always been on a, a pretty nice growth trajectory over the past, you know, 10 years I've been doing this. But it's been interesting to see the trend that the industry has just really benefited from. Um, when certain economic downturns happen and people realize that the pet industry is pretty untapped, you know, markets out there are pretty underserved by all different types of pet care options from dog food, retail, different dog, dog grooming services. And when people started to realize that, which really just started to happen over the past like three or four years, um, people now are, are investing their money um, in what is been traditionally a pretty recession resilient industry in general. So really exciting time for the whole industry. I think we're going to see a lot of new franchises and business models pop up over the next couple of years. And of course, it's positioned us really well since we've been doing this for a really long time. And have all that experience, which is just just incredible. Yes. So Houndstown is a fully interactive doggy daycare center. And I love the slogan of it's home to the happiest dogs on earth. Uh, what else do you provide? What makes it the home to the happiest dogs on earth? We like to say we're home to the happiest dogs on earth because everything we do is about the dog first. 
And we're, we build our facilities out from 18 inches off the ground, meaning from the dog's perspective. So we are coming at this from the dog at the center of everything. Before we go and build a facility out, we're thinking about, you know, how are dogs going to navigate through the facility? Which way do gates need to swing to make dogs feel comfortable moving in and out of the playrooms? How are shadows going to be cast? All these things affect how the dog's experience is going to be in the facility. So. Um, and when dogs are coming to us, our job is to facilitate the play between them. Um, they're not coming to play with us as much as we'd love that. Um, our job is to supervise and facilitate. So we are not, you know, asking dogs to go on leash walks or, you know, charging owners for belly rubs or bottled water. We're providing a dog's version of fun. And their version of fun is getting into a room with eight, nine, 10 other dogs rolling around on, on the floor, biting each other's necks, chasing one another, and then taking a nap. That is their version of fun. And so that's why we've always said we're home to the happiest dogs on earth, because when they go home, we are sending them home tired and happy. Oh, I love that. And having a dog, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, I can see that. So right now you have over 30 locations. What is your growth strategy? Yes, we have 31 stores open, opening our 32nd uh, in a couple of weeks here. And we've got another probably 10 or 12 that are going to open end of this year. So we'll be about 42, 45. Wow. We've got another 40 in development. So they will open at some point next year. Um, next year will be a big, big year for us. And so we're slated to have about 100 stores open by the end of 2024. Our growth strategy, you know, with the exception of the last two to three years, has been purposefully slower. Mike and I wanted to make sure that before we sell 100 stores, right, and, and commit to getting out there to opening all these locations, we want to make sure that we do this the right way. And that took a good five or six years opening in a few different markets, um, both opening corporate stores and partnering with franchisees to get stores open, to understand the marketing plans, understand the market. And so that I feel like really prepared us for the growth we've seen just over the past, you know, 24 months. So we're teed up, we're ready to go. We've got our systems, you know, we're working on our systems and processes and scaling everything um, to really, you know, get another 70 stores open over the next two years. That's a lot. You know, what's impressive though about that, Jackie, is that what you've described really serves your franchisees well, yes. because you're making sure that you're not exploding your growth before you're ready. And that helps them too. So that's admirable, very admirable. So you also state some reasons that a prospective franchisee should consider Houndstown. So let's unpack just a few of those. We've already talked about the canine expertise, so I'll leave that one alone. But you talk about freedom and flexibility. What does that mean for a franchisee? So I think, you know, owning any franchise provides the franchisee financial freedom and uh, professional and personal freedom to some degree, provided that the franchisee puts in all the hard work in the beginning. So it's just such a different feeling, you know, that I can certainly attest to working for a paycheck for somebody else. And knowing that you'll hit that ceiling at some point in your career, um, putting in all that effort so that it benefits a company. And this is putting in all of that effort, investing your financial savings and time and money and energy into something that will eventually turn into an asset for you and your family. And so I love 
exploring that with our franchisees and helping them become successful in that because I saw how much it did for me. And, you know, it takes a lot of hard work and the days are not always fun. There are some challenges, but um, if we look at this as a long-term game, the franchise model just can provide just such a tremendous amount of opportunity in all different types of areas for folks. Oh, I totally agree. Our vision is to build at the center is to build and sustain generational wealth through franchising. And you just described that. And it does take the hard work up front, but Mm -hmm. many people are willing to do that because of the long-term strategy, as you mentioned. And you also talk about customizable revenue streams. What does that mean? So our three main revenue streams, we keep things really simple at Houndstown. I can't overstate the simplicity of the business model. That's why a lot of people are attracted to the model. Uh, Interactive daycare is the heart of everything we do. And so our business model calls for developing the daycare business first and foremost, overboarding. Boarding is seasonal. When COVID hit, a lot of our competitors, some mom and pops, went out of business because they were focused too heavily on boarding and they didn't understand how to do the daycare piece. Um, Daycare is not seasonal. Um, And so uh, daycare, overnight boarding, and spa services are our three main services at Houndstown. Now, the town theme really lends itself to other revenue streams, most of them ancillary, that folks can incorporate into their businesses. So right now we're working on an introduction to basic dog behavior and socialization program Mm -hmm. through what we call Houndstown University. So under the town umbrella, it's the college of the doggy college of the town. Um, and we'd have some franchisees testing out, you know, some, some more ancillary revenue streams that they can, you know, help bring into the model in general. Oh yeah. That town theme works beautifully. You can do almost anything. You can. That is, that is really brilliant. And then I also read that you don't discriminate against any type of dog breed, including the pit bulls. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. It's a really important part of our brand. And, you know, Mike has always uh, talked about this as it's offensive to discriminate against anybody or any creature for any reason whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And because we have the knowledge about dogs, we have, we're inside the dog's head. We, We put our dog brains on at Houndstown, take off our human brain, and we're able to assess a dog's suitability for this pack environment without considering his breed first. And we're able to do that because we know how to read a dog's body language well. We know when they come in the door, you know, how to assess wh- how well they're going to acclimate into this group environment. How are, are they dominant? Are they submissive? What kind of, what type of pack do they need to go in? Mm-hmm. So we're really inside the dog's head enough to, to be able to take out that discrimination piece, which is, you know, always really nice. We have so many stories over the years of dogs that have been turned away from competitors because they look like a pit bull or they have a little bit of German shepherd in them, which is just absurd. It's just lack of knowledge about dogs that leads to that discrimination. And we are fortunate enough that we we have that knowledge. And, you know, you do have that knowledge. I'm going to jump into some questions about your franchising strategy and, and support you provide. And I was really impressed in looking through your FTD about all the training that you provide. You have initial training, immersion training, grand opening training, then ongoing training. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because it seems like I'm not sure if a franchisee needs to have that experience with dogs already, or if you can train that. We actually prefer that franchisees don't have any experience with dogs. Oh. So like Mike says, we prefer people coming in who don't know which end of the dog is which. Oh. <laughs> and what that lets us do is train franchisees the Houndstown way. 
because our way of dog management is very specific. It's very particular. Um, for instance, we don't have people standing in playrooms with dogs. We're not squirting dogs with water to correct them if they jump. It's, it's harder to deprogram somebody that comes in with knowledge that's averse to what our knowledge and philosophies are, it's easier to just start with a clean slate. So no dog experience needed. What we do want to see in our franchisees is some level of leadership and management experience. So important in running any business, but small business in particular. Um, and, you know, having some customer service or sales experience definitely helps. So, and, and to your point about the training, I we think it's really important that people are trained. There's no such thing as too much training, just like there's no such thing as too much communication. And I've just found over the years that the better we prepare people to open their stores, the faster they can get off the ground. And of course that serves them well, but it also serves the brand well too. So more effort we put in up front, the more return on our collective investment we're going to see in the future. That's really interesting because I know that I love dogs but I have no experience in dogs. So I love to hear that you actually prefer that because then you don't have to untrain bad habits. Exactly. So yeah. that, that makes sense. What else do you look for? I mean, obviously the financial capital, but what else do you look for with new franchisees? You mentioned sales and leadership. Is there anything else? You know, I think this is a process and I think this is true of any new endeavor, especially if you're opening your own business, whether it's on your own or franchising, you have to have a, just a level of grit and perseverance and patience. And it's a very different experience if you compare it to coming from a, a, a job, right? If you're changing jobs, you're interviewing, you're going through a little bit of a hard process. It's a little bit frustrating sometimes, but when you land in your new job, you're just like right in the seat, you know what you got to do might take you a month to get used to it, but then you're off and running. You've got your paycheck coming every month. You've got your benefits. This is nothing like that. This is taking your two hands and building something from scratch. And sometimes you take all this time to build this amazing thing and something comes along and crumbles it and you've got to start over. So having that level of just, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this work, no matter what, whatever we call that, we call that grit at Houndstown. That to me is incredibly important. Oh, I can definitely understand that. And you list when it comes to the financials, it's very impressive that you list every single cost right on your website. You don't have to dig into the FDD to see that, but your net operating profit is really impressive. How do you achieve such a positive operating profit? I'm glad you pointed that out because I'm so proud of the profit margins that um, of our of our system. That is really thanks to Mike. When he started this 22 years ago, it's rooted in simplicity. Keep it simple. Awesome. Keep staffing low. Don't offer too many services. We don't take dogs that need to be separated. You know, we're not taking dogs on leash walks. For that reason, we're able to have like just six to eight employees in the facility. And we have ratios that we suggest franchisees maintain for the safety of the dogs. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some of our competitors are employing you know, 25, 30 people and their payroll is really, really high. Um, we're also not in retail areas. So our rents are fairly low. So, you know, between rent and payroll, those are our two major expenses. Wow. This business model doesn't have any inventory. We don't have any real overhead outside of payroll and rent. 
And so that's where the profit margin, you know, really comes into play. And we, we work with our franchisees really closely to make sure that their, you know, rent percentages and their labor percentages are benchmarked, you know, where they should be. Well, it is impressive. I saw that and I thought, oh, gosh, if I were at a different decade of life, I might jump on top of this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's real. It's really great. You also, one of the other things I noticed in your FDD, and then I'll get off that, is that you have a convention fee. And whether the franchisee goes or not, um, they pay the convention fee. Can you talk about that in your convention? Sure. So we have our, finally, after three years of not having a, we call it an annual reunion, I guess, to be, oh, be a little cuter yeah. about it. Okay. Um, we are having our annual reunion this September for all of our franchisees. We've got about 200 people coming, uh, which is crazy because eight years ago, it was Mike and I and two franchisees. There were four of us. Oh my gosh in our convention. And this year it's going to be about 200. So just to see the room filled with 200 people is going to be, I think a moment for me. Um, but yeah, so franchisees pay $750 fee and that covers, you know, the experience three days worth of seminars. We have an amazing keynote speaker coming this year. The incentive behind charging, whether you come or not is to emphasize the importance of being there. This, this uh, time we're launching a new point of sale system. We're relaunching our spa program. Um, it's the first time we'll be together as a system in almost three years. So it is incredibly important that our franchisees are there and they're present. I love that. I do think it brings that sense of community, best sharing practices, mentoring, et cetera. So mm -hmm. the last couple of things I'll talk to you about, I can't believe our time is coming close, but I was so also so impressed with how much you all give back. You have philanthropic efforts through Houndstown charities, and you also sponsor Handcuffs to Healing. Can you talk about one of those? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. The, the charity is really important to us as well. Um, it's a 501c3 called Houndstown Charities. Mike founded it back in 2011. And it's it's had some, you know, different incarnations uh, throughout the, the last decade or so. Uh, mostly Mike has worked um, personally with different shelters on, on the island where Houndstown was founded mm -hmm. to rescue and rehabilitate what we call red dogs. So they're dogs that have been labeled sometimes for euthanasia because they're uh, behavior problems. Oh. And nine times out of 10, the dog has been misdiagnosed. And so we've gone in as the charity and we have taken the dogs out of the shelter gotten them into our corporate facility and rehabilitated their behavior and gotten them adopted. Oh my gosh. Awesome. It's that is, you know, when you can do that successfully, oh man, that's really the heart of everything, of everything that we do. That's why we do what we do. So, um, over the years, as we've gotten more franchises open, what that program has looked like is the franchisees will partner with a shelter. Um, they're not doing the behavior work because we're, they're not trained for that, but what they're doing is offering discounted daycare and boarding services for dogs from the shelter. Wonderful. So they're actually getting out of the shelter, they're getting into the facilities, they're able to get into the groups and socialize, it makes them more adoptable and gets them the exposure they need to really find that forever home. So lots of amazing stories over the years about franchisees who have really helped change a lot of dogs lives oh I bet oh that is wonderful so Jackie you've done so much in your careers what is the thing you are most proud of well that's a great question I think just for me the, that day that I walked into Houndstown 10 years ago and there were two stores and now we just sold our 130th territory the other day that's just awesome finally seeing the the 
um, work, the hard work, sweat, blood, sweat, and tears. Both Mike and I have put into this over the past decade for Mike. He's been doing this for 22 years. So I'm really happy for him that he gets to see the fruits of his labor finally starting to pay off. And just to see our franchisees that came in and were beaten down by corporate America and looking to do something different, to see them get open and send an email to me and say, I have 30 dogs in my facility today. I'm cash flow positive today. That's worth everything. Ah, oh, that, that is awesome. And my last question, is there anything you wish you would have known before you started in this world of franchising? Oh man, <laughs> a lot. Um, It's a great question. And I think what so often happens with emerging brands is that founders focus so much on building their business and their brand, and they don't know anything about franchising. And it's so important to learn the franchising business too, because we're actually in two businesses. We're in the business of franchising. We're in the business of Houndstown. And, you know, I did my best to run those two businesses parallel, but I was partial to developing the brand. So by the time I was able to hire a team, you know, they came in and, and they were, they're really the experts on franchising and, and just, you know, catching up and going back and fixing some mistakes. And so I would say, I wish that I understood the value of becoming a franchising expert at the same time as growing my brand. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And that's one of the reasons why we're teaching franchising. It is its unique model, but boy, is it a great model. So Jackie, thank you. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your experience with us about Houndstown USA. And I can't wait to see one open up in Louisville, Kentucky one day. We're going to come. We're getting there. Glad to hear it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Franchise You is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise You.